Nazarene online. Um, it's good to be with you this morning, and uh, we hope that you are gathered together with people you love, focused on what we're about to do, which is to worship the Lord together. So Alicia, would you read our opening psalm for us? Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Thanks be to God.
Old Testament reading this morning is from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 3 and 11 to 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Do you know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you know that you who were once slaves to sin have been become obedient from the heart and to the standard of, of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your, mem your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at the time from the thing of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Thanks be to God.
pray together this morning. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here into this place. Um, yes, even though we're scattered, even though we are in our own separate places, Father, you have yes, been so Lord. good and so kind, so merciful to provide means for us to, to reach out to one another, to care for one another, to connect with one another through the phone, through the internet, um, through these different technologies, Lord, that much of the time can be destructive, but we know that in this, in this time, they're uniting us as one, and yes. so we thank you for that. Lord God, we want to lift up those who we know are, are hurting in different ways right now, whether it is financially because what's happening in the economy, Lord God, those who have lost jobs, uh, those who are in trouble, Lord, whether it is um, in, in other areas, uh, physically, those who are isolated and cut off, Lord, we think of those who are not able to be with us and aren't able to be much of anywhere these days. Lord God, we ask for your help uh, to be present in their lives, that they would know your mercy, that they would know your love, that they would know your hand on them during this time. Yes, Lord. Father, we thank you and we, we praise you for, um, for the work that you're continuing to do through your church, for the ways that you have continued to bind people together, to connect us together. We thank you for the saints being able to lift up their prayers before you. And so we pray, God, with Kathy Souza for her friend Herman and, uh, and the cancer that he's dealing with. We pray for peace to be in him, that your wholeness would reign in his body, Lord, and where there continues might continue to be um, this sickness, this illness, Lord, that his heart, that his mind, that everything that he is would turn towards you, Lord God. We pray also for Jessica, um, and who is pregnant. We pray for your peace to reign in her life, and for those uh, who are pregnant and having babies during this time, Lord God. We pray for, uh, for my friends Danny and Kayla, who had a baby yesterday, yeah, for, your, for your help and your hope to yes, fill uh, the lives of new parents, the lives of these young children. Yes. Lord God, that we would continue to be a hopeful people that even in the midst of a virus, even in the midst of the fear that's present in our, in our country right now, Lord God, that, uh, that your hope and your help would be, would be visible and available through us. Yes. Lord God, we pray for Christina's dad, who's in the hospital with pneumonia in the ICU. We pray for your help to be uh, at work in him and in those who know him. Lord, we pray for those who are at work uh, in, in the public these, in these days, Lord, that whether it's because they have to be or because they're committed to their work, Lord God, who make themselves vulnerable to this virus, we pray for your protection to be yes. on them. God, we pray for Rosemary Taglis and for her family, yes, that you would continue to strengthen and guide her, that yes, you would continue yes. to lead her more fully into, uh, into her sobriety and into a, into a space yes. of health. Yes, Lord. God, we pray for Gail Hammond's son and for his lungs. And for those who work um, in grocery stores, for those who work in retail right now, Lord, and who continue to find themselves in those spaces, we ask that you would just continue to protect and bless them. Yes. Father God, we pray for our leaders as they make decisions. We pray for wisdom and guidance that they make might make decisions that are, um, that are good, for yes. all of us, Jesus. that lead us into the common good, that lead us into a common hope and a common health. Hallelujah. We pray for those who've been in position, put in positions of temporal or secular authority, Lord God, and we ask that you might uh, yes. continue to be at work through them. Yes. Lord, we know um, how deeply you love us. We know how deeply, how much you've given yourself for us, and we pray that we might never give up trying to find ways to give ourselves over to one another. That as you have loved us, Lord, that we would in turn look to love each other. Yes. God, we pray during this season of Lent that you would continue to convict and restore us, that we might have a heart where, that is turned towards you, Lord God, confessing our sins and trusting who we are to you. Thank you. And knowing, Father, yes. that we're nothing without you. Lord, would you help us to look closely at our lives, to confess those things which we have done, which might have been against your will, those things which we have not done, which would have been a resistance to your will. Lord God, to lay them down and instead to turn ourselves over to you so that you might yes. be glorified through us. Yes, Lord. Give us the knowledge and the peace of your Son, Jesus Christ. In these days we pray. 
And our gospel reading this morning um, is from John chapter 11 and verses 18 through 44. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the yes. Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you? that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face unwrapped with cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'll say, I'm not sure if this is all going to end up as one shot, but um, if there's a way and we end up doing a second take, catch me saying something like, you know, can we try that again or something? Please, it'll actually where it's a meta thing with, you'll hear why that would work, but if we end up doing that. You know, no matter how much I want it, off camera, there is no second take. Life is all one shot. And it's just not possible to retake a scene after it's happened. This is good news for those heartwarming moments of watching young children excitedly search for candy-filled eggs. But it's equally true when you're awaiting those test results in a medical waiting room. Or when you're watching a casket being lowered into the ground. And for the first time you're sitting down to an empty table at the holidays. It's just not possible to redo those past and present painful moments. And sometimes they can be so overwhelming as to seem to have written our future as well. But in Christ's life, the impossible happens. In chapter 11 of the Gospel according to John, as Christ calls out to his deceased friend Lazarus, he walks out of the grave. Lazarus is risen from the dead. The impossible become possible. 
And if that's not enough, this moment for you and for me becomes even more extraordinary. Because today, if you are willing to receive it, Christ calls and invites you to share in that same impossible reality. Even right here, and even right now. In the world as we know it, someone would have to ask, how can these things be? How can these incredible signs that accompany Christ's ministry be possible? And equally as important, how could we share in them? It's tempting here for me to search for some familiar reference point. And I think the one that I, and perhaps maybe also you, share is the story of the superhero, the Flash and Wonder Woman, people whose gifts and abilities break the limits of everything that we had thought possible. Superheroes, even though fictional, still feel familiar to me. Because while they might be bigger or better or stronger or faster than us, their stories are still in many places about the things that they do with those abilities. The Flash, for instance, just like me and you, can use his speed to run off with someone's lunch or to rescue someone from an oncoming bus. We tell the Flash's stories, we tell our own about the qualities that we possess, the choices that we decide to make with them, whether those are good or bad. If you use that as a reference point, you might see Christ as the first true avenger with resuscitating superpowers, distinguished only because he's real and not fictional. But I'm convinced that if you follow Christ through his ministry, particularly through the death in the graveside of Lazarus, you get to see this much greater difference unfolding. This is not just another superhero story. In fact, and I think so much depends on this for the gospel, and for you, and for me, Christ is exactly the opposite of every superhero. To see this, I want to back up to a conversation between Jesus and the disciples just before they're leaving to go to the funeral of Lazarus. It picks up in verse 7 of chapter 11, after Jesus has heard that Lazarus is sick and now wants to go see him. Then after this, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Judea. Lazarus, as the text will clarify, lives in Bethany, which is two miles from Jerusalem, in the heart of Judea. This is the very place where Jesus has been increasingly harassed, mocked, and slandered. This is the same place where the crowds have now tried several times to imprison him. This is the very same place where his last two visits ended in outright public attempts to kill him on the spot through stoning. As Jesus considers here going back to Judea, the disciples realize the gravity of the situation. And they say, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and are you going to go back there again? This would be the perfect opportunity for Jesus, if he was the precursor to the flash, to reassure them that he's making the right choice in going there by demonstrating his superpowers but he doesn't. Instead, Jesus responds, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see by the light of this world. Shortly before he says this, when Jesus is about to heal the man born blind from birth, he also says, As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming, when no one work. And in this response, the Son of Man, the Son of God, Christ stands apart from us, from superheroes, and from the world. The disciples here are desperately pleading, Jesus, don't you realize if you go to Judea, the stakes for you and for us are nothing less than life and death. Jesus replies, don't you yet realize? 
things, that the greatest stakes are fulfilling the mission and the purpose for which the Father has sent me, for which you and I have been created, or refusing to do so. I must do the work of God while there is day, while I am able, whatever the consequences. And that difference couldn't be clearer than day or night. Christ's response to his disciples isn't the assurance that through his superpowers he's going to call down a firestorm and come out of all of this untouched by his enemies. Rather, Christ promises that what finally matters, that what matters most, is to do the will of God because it is only God in the end. Amen. Who can do the impossible work of recreating and redeeming you, me, and a broken creation. For Jesus to do anything else than the work and the will of God is just temporarily rearranging deck chairs on a sinking ship. Just at this moment, between he and his disciples, we clearly see in Christ this will that is wholly surrendered and perfectly offered to the one whom he calls Father, without reservation or condition. What we get to see in this moment in Christ is this posture of kneeling open-handedness, freely receiving from God all that is given only to pour it back out, in praise, in love, and in gratitude to the one from whom it came without any regard to himself. And as you move from this discussion between Jesus and his disciples to this stunning moment beside, the La beside Lazarus' grave, I hope that you can see now how Christ isn't set apart from us because he's some superhuman superhero. No, instead it's because Christ is truly and fully human. The new Adam, the second man, the true son of God. Christ is what humanity, what Christ is what God had always intended humanity to be. Amen. This perfect reflection, transparency, and communion of God's love and life itself what we were all supposed to be, to radiate the very divine presence and power that has brought us into existence absolutely everywhere and anywhere we ourselves are. As one of my good friends used to always remind me, Christ before Lazarus' tomb isn't wielding the Spirit of God like the Force from Star Wars. Instead, as Christ unceasingly and wholly empties himself of whatever designs his parents or his disciples or his people or his enemies have for him, of whatever designs or thoughts are in his own mind, of his value, of his dignity, of even his basic right to life. The one whom he calls Father is faithful and true to do the very thing that has been promised since the beginning to fill and overflow Christ with the eternal life-giving power that God is. Do you want to know the real truth that Christ exposes here? It's not just superheroes that are leading fictional lives. It's also many of us. God has always and will always make all things possible. It only seemed impossible because we had believed the lie that our bodies, our minds, our families, our friends, our communities, our money, our dried beans belong to us and are our, and are our possessions and should be used in whatever way we see fit, whether that's to snatch somebody's lunch or to rescue them from oncoming traffic. It only seemed impossible because once we believed that lie, we began obsessing over and trying to divvy up and fight over who gets the last cup of the water from the two-foot puddle that we see in front of us when the Amazon is just a few yards away if we only looked up. In Jesus' self-emptying, in his alignment perfectly to the will of God, he is this perfect conduit of infinite mercy, love, and grace. And when there is no resistance, divine presence and power floods through him into anywhere he himself is. The dominion of sin, of darkness, and death. 
holds all of creation captive, is overturned in the wake of his presence. And its previous agents are restored to their right minds and their right bodies. Next week, the week of the passion, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, Jesus will confront head-on the ruler of this dying dominion at Golgotha. But even now, with every footstrike Christ takes towards Gethsemane, in love and surrender to the Father, the ground around him is already springing forth into a verdant garden filled with grapes ready for the winepress. And with every declaration of his coming passion, the echoing reverberations heal sick children. And with every loaf that he shares among conspirators, the multitudes are abundantly fed. So what does all this mean for us? I think that this is the best part. Because Christ, as he comes here in this moment, besides the graveside of Lazarus, didn't just come to show us what true life in God looked like. He came so that we might share in that true life through him, even here and even now. The good news for those of us still awaiting our final redemption, even with many scenes or moments in our lives where we'd like a second take, a redo, even while we're still facing sin and death, is that we don't have to try to do the impossible. The good news is that we never needed superpowers, or more wealth, or brains, or influence, or authority, or approval to make everything turn out here in the moments leading up to and besides Lazarus' tomb, Christ invites us through him to the possible and impossible transformation. That same kneeling open-handedness before God. He invites us to empty ourselves of all of our self-involved worries, wounds, stories, ambitions, pretensions. He invites us to live as the great amen that he himself is, so that God might fill and overflow you and me with that very same life, love, and power to every corner and every person in your life. Faith in Christ may not make you superhuman, but this is one case where the fact is greater than the fiction. Because if you are willing to receive it, it can make you truly and fully human. The very person that you are always made to be. An instrument in a symphony of God's redemption for all of creation. Because with God, all things are possible. Twelve hours of daylight. As Christ makes clear, the stakes couldn't be starker than day and night. And the question is, will we live in faith and devotion to God's will for us in the world, or refuse to do so? Will we allow God to consecrate and hollow in us the difficulties, the trials, that even the suffering and death that we experience, so that, like Christ, the final triumph of his mercy, of his grace, and of his love might testify to an unbelieving world this unbelievable gospel? Twelve hours of daylight. What will you do with the hours that you've been given? Oh, and one final thing. In my parody clickbait title, I said, do this one odd habit every day to raise the dead. In truth, we have a treasury of practices that we can do every day to cultivate that very same mindset, that very same life-giving, dead-raising lifestyle that we see in Christ. But perhaps there is no greater means of grace to renew and transform us than this one. To gather around the table where Christ's broken body and shed blood is given for us and for the life of the world. So wherever you are, whoever you're with, would you join Pastor Jeff and me following this video in prayer and in anticipation for that day when with joyful and grateful hearts, we share together in the loaf and the cup of joy.
the communion supper instituted by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a sacrament which proclaims his life, his sufferings, his sacrificial death and resurrection, and the hope of his coming again. It shows forth the Lord's death until his return. The supper is a means of grace in which Christ is present by the Spirit. It is to be received in reverent appreciation and gratefulness for the work of Christ. All those who are truly repentant, forsaking their sins, and believing in Christ for salvation are invited to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. We come to the table that we may be renewed in life and salvation and be made one by the Spirit. And as we have said before during this extraordinary time of um, strange social distance, um, I'm going to be receiving the bread and the cup uh, on behalf of the congregation. My desire is that you'll, you will pray the prayer um, that is in the, in the PDF bulletin that you have, and it will also be on the screen when we come to that part of the liturgy. Um, and it's a prayer for spiritual communion. It's a way of saying that although we're separate physically, although we're distant, uh, that there is still something in me that cries out for Christ in his presence. And, and Christ is not bound uh, by, those, by those physical distances, but is able to make those same gifts present to us uh, spiritually rather than sacramentally. So I want to encourage you to participate in the supper in that way. Holy God, we gather at this your table in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who by your Spirit was anointed to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, and set at liberty those who are oppressed. Christ healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and established the new covenant for forgiveness of sins. We live in the hope of his coming again. On the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And so we gather as the body of Christ to offer ourselves to you in praise and thanksgiving. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us and on these but your gifts. Make them by the power of your Spirit to be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one in Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry of Christ to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. This is the body of Christ.
these gifts. We thank you that even though we are not able to be together and to receive in that way, Lord God, that you continue to make your gifts present and available to your church. Lord, would you do your work in and through us right now. We pray for those who are watching this. Um, and we ask, we ask, Father, that there might be a deep longing and a deep yearning to receive, uh, to receive the work of Christ, to be in our hearts risen from the dead, and to become those who live that life out in front of the world around us. Lord God, we pray that we might become an example of your life, of your hope, of your peace. We know, Father, that you, you can and you will do this in us. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Now to be